0: Whee! We are back in the football shed. Jeff King's here. That was pretty good. G'day. You always sounded like John. <laughs> if you're wondering who the strange voice is introducing the shed, it's not John. It's me, Rog. Uh, John Hewitt is away
1: at the moment. He's our man on the ground in England. Yeah, he's off to the Chelsea game, isn't he? He's is that- flown all the way to England to go watch Chelsea. Loves Chelsea. John Terry, favourite player of all time. Yeah, loves, loves <laughs> Chelsea. Um, you are listening to Football Shed,
0: minus John Hewitt. We're a weekly podcast by three English blokes that live in Melbourne. Uh, we record each week in Jeff Shed, hence the name Football Shed. You can find us on all the usual spots, iTunes and Spotify. Uh, if you like it, give us a review. Tell us it's better without John and you hope he doesn't come <laughs> back. Uh, send us an email, uh, footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can find us on social media, search Football Shed and we will appear. Every week we start with a question. No, no,
1: can I just can I just quickly jump in, right? You can. So I listened to a podcast today. I listened to podcasts as well as, as star in podcasts. <laughs> and relatively simple. They were banging on for nine minutes before they started talking about what you want what I wanted them to talk about. What were they talking about? Nine minutes. One bloke had a book out. And they were talking about the book, and then they they were... Um, it's not a book club. No, it's not a book club. And then they were banging on about some guy's wedding. Basically, it was just having a chat for nine minutes, what, plus the adverts. Can adverse. I ask what podcast it was? Or it was a, one it one was one. a political podcast. Um, I'm not going to... Okay. Unless they pay us for advertising. You well, know. I thought you meant it was a football one. No, no, no. They normally get straight to the, straight to the nitty-gritty. But the... Um, I can't believe it. So, so I'm just thought. How long can I bang on for at the beginning of this podcast before we talk about? Well, before, we're uh, there. people will get annoyed and but then mention us on their own podcast. Well,
0: it's funny you say that because my uh, lovely wife listens to um, quite a famous podcast about um, solving various murders. Yeah, uh, listens to it a lot. I can't stand it because essentially it's. Two people crapping on about nothing for over an hour, and I said, "Ali, how can you listen to this? This is awful." Um, but she probably thinks the same about our podcast. So. Well, um, I better get into the question. Yeah, okay. Then. How long did we last? Uh, at least two minutes. Yeah, good. Uh, so uh, we'll go on to talk about them. But there's a bit of excitement around the um, the revolution at Arsenal at the moment, or the yeah. evolution at Arsenal. Uh, they've won ten games in a row in all competitions. Seven in the Premier League. Uh, my question for you, Jeff, is how many games is the record for the longest winning streak in
1: Premier League history? Eleven. Eleven? You're looking at me like that's correct. Is that correct? No, it's not.
0: It's eighteen. Eighteen is a bit low. Ah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh. uh, eighteen games in a row. Who do you think that was? How long ago was it? Fairly recent history. Fairly recent history. Yeah. Was it Manchester City?
0: Yeah. Well, great. Last season. Last season. August (laughs) 2017 to 12th of December 2017. really uninspiring. The Man City machine, 18 games in a row. Uh, But while we're on Arsenal, um, did you want
1: to talk about Arsenal? Yeah, I did. I watched the whole game and... um, so you've seen bits and pieces of it, right? I've just watched the highlights. I've yes. got to say, so for those who just watched the second half, which seems like everyone in the world, Leicester were very good in the first half. So they went one nil up. Their left back, who's their left back? Chilwell. Chilwell. Well. Fuck, he was great.
0: He's quick, isn't he? He's... he? He outpaced Bellerin to get to that ball, and Bellerin's like always touted as being the quickest fullback in the league. so oh, his Bellerin's hair is s- weighing, weighing him
1: down. <laughs> so horrible. It weighs me down. It's <laughs> so horrible. Every time you look at him, there was a point where he was like trying to mark a man and he was trying to mark two men so he's was like looking left and right and his hair was flapping in the wind like a galah. Like it was a joke. Anyway, sorry. Um, what was it? Cherwell. Um, absolutely brilliant first half performance. So Leicester played a, a formation where when they were attacking, they played three at the back. When they were defending, they had four at the back. And they were... They were transitioning mid play. Yep. So, um, so as Iniesta
0: was playing up front with Vardy. Again. Yeah.
1: Again, it wasn't like John rightly points out. It's not a true two man up front job. Iniesta was playing a little bit wider. He wasn't very effective. But Leicester in the first half were, were brilliant. Slabbed was great. Vardy was catching on loose balls. Chilwell was amazing. And I was thinking that actually, my conclusion watching the first half because because it was. As much of a game of two halves as you're going to see. My conclusion watching the first half, were well, Leicester are a very good side? I think they were also pretty unlucky because there was
0: a, perhaps a critical turning point in the game, which was the handball decision um, against Rob Holding. Mm. Um, and household name, Rob Holding. Arsenal <laughs> the centre-back. Uh, but the ref made a bit of a howler there because t- to me, that is handball every day. Well like
1: you punch the ball. 100 percent. It, it was a stonewall penalty. Um no who's I mean Vardy's pretty good at putting him away. So I'd I'd say that if they were 2-0 up that's that's a that would probably be a fair result of the first half of football. Secondly the sucker punch, having Arsenal scored just before half time when Leicester were all over that game. So it goes in one one at the break. Come out and it is two different sides. So Arsenal don't let Leicester touch the ball for the first five minutes of the second half. They just haven't got. Did to slip. they
0: change anything? Because it's, it's there's been a bit of talk about this in the week, and like in Arsenal's winning streak, like the record when you look at the games in terms of what they've done in the first half and what they've done in the second half is amazing. It's almost like I think. In pretty much every game, they've either been behind or level at half-time. But then they've obviously won seven in a row in the Premier League. So I'm like, have they changed something at half-time? Or is it luck? Well, or is it just that their style of play eventually like tells Like, well, no. the what, what I
1: noticed was that the, they were playing a little bit more compact. And what I mean by that was there was less distance between the centre-forward and the centre-back. So there was less... Less energy had to be expelled running between those two positions so in transition. It... So the back line pushed up and the forward line didn't correspond with the push-up. So there was just less space in the middle and Arsenal can play with less space. They also, when they brought on Gunduzi, Gunduzi, Gunduzi. Sideshow, Bob. Oh my God, what a player <laughs> that is. How did they find that bloke? Where did he come from? Uh, I think he's from
0: Greece. Well, outrageous Greece, I, I could be making that up I'm not sure uh,
1: he looks like David Luiz and I'm gonna say that because they got the same hair and I'm just gonna make a sweeping generalization about people with that hair but he yeah. there aren't very many b- with people well with yeah that you, hair. you're gonna recognize him yeah. um he was brilliant absolutely dominated the midfield he played a um a kind of creative cante, creative traditional kante role Okay. Does that make sense? Who did he come on for? Uh, I can't remember. Um. Oh, yeah, I can. Uh, Mkhitaryan. Okay, yeah. So it, it feels like there would be a defensive change, but it wasn't. Everything went through him in the middle of the park. And when you, you say that, you know, there's been a bit of talk about this week, there's obviously been a lot of talk about Mettit met, met Ozil. Mezit Mezit Ozil? Yeah. Mezit. 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 Mezid Ozil, been a lot of talk about Mezid Ozil because he was brilliant, like, very good. His I, first goal. Yeah,
0: I, I. If there was one thing I'd want to talk about this game, like yeah, you know, like Leicester were unlucky. Uh, Slab Ed should have scored. Great save by Leno as well. Yeah, I should say, in the first half of course, as well. Yeah. Um, but to me, what I'll remember this game for is is Ozil and like particularly his three his involvements in all three goals. But like. His when Oswald's at his best, everything looks so easy. Yeah, looks like he's not trying at all. It's laconic, but it's it's beautiful to watch, and it's like it's effective. Like his pass, his pass for Arsenal's second goal is just unbelievable. It's succulent, isn't it? Yeah. Like it. it and it's all on his left foot. It's all one footed, but it's so when he plays like that, he is one of the best players in the world.
1: So I'll give you a window into my life, right? So when I when those evening games are on, it fits really well. The reason why I can watch him really well is because time difference means that I, when my, when my son wakes up at six in the morning, I can put it on. <laughs> and that's great. so I can, I can fulfill my household duties. I can make a coffee whilst the first half of football's on. Then I drop him off at childcare just in time for the second half. And then when I'm on my hour commute on the tram. On the way to work, I can watch a second half of football. So I'm sitting there on the tram, and when the, when he when he passed that ball, I just kind of there's it's a packed tram. I just shake my head in appreciation, you know, and then I look up and look around. And there's a bunch of people watching my phone, like watching the screen over my shoulders, a big grins on their face. I'm like, oh, here we go. We got a whole whole gang. Then the third goal. That third goal was marvelous. Is
0: that we we talked about Arsenal's goal last week. Um, We've been remarkably positive about Arsenal lately, but uh, we talked about the headers. You know, whether whether it was me, whether it was lucky or or brilliant. So that you know was a brilliant goal. But I think this one trumps it. Like everything about this goal, the third Arsenal goal was brilliant. It was
1: immaculate. It was absolutely immaculate. From to to know that there's been so much build up to get to the final third, and then to to do that step over, like like to let it go through your legs. And then to, to get the return ball, the arrogance of that, knowing that it's on the end of what is already such a brilliant move, like you're, you're Is it so-
0: arrogance, or well, I just think it's not thinking about it? It just comes so, it comes so naturally to him. And my, my favorite bit about the whole, like the dummy, was amazing. But I also like Harry Maguire. Mm. Yeah, had a great World Cup. Is a very good centre back. He's in one of England's centre backs. But he just looked like an absolute mug. Like, Ozil <laughs> just stepped over and then spun in behind Harry Maguire. And I reckon, you know, you could Harry Maguire could almost know that was going to happen and try it 20 times and he still would get nowhere he, near Ozil. Like it was
1: oh. like he just was looking round and then was already flipped it to and He's put it 100%. in. 100%. And, and the thing about um, both of those goals... Is there wasn't anything positionally at fault with the Leicester players? Their Arsenal second goal, for example, with that you know succulent through ball by Ozil, Leicester had five men standing in a line perfectly. There was no, they weren't. There was no, you know, one man playing them on side and and, and letting the team down. They were perfectly positioned to defend exactly the situation that they were in. Yeah, you're right. And yet still, the ball just got threaded straight through. And groups. Arsenal had two men behind. Yeah, it was. Absolutely wonderful to watch. And again, when that third goal went in, I, I just smiled, shook my head, looked down, and again, I had a whole bloody crowd of people on the tram watching over my shoulder. It was brilliant. Yeah.
0: His little flick and the, and the step over were two of the best things I've seen this year, I think. It was and he's, yeah.
1: so he's now the top scoring German in Premier League history. Oh, is he? Do you know that? Yeah. Gone oh. ahead of Klinsmann? Klinsmann. Um, and maybe he's good? And he gets a lot of stick. Well, what do you, what do you think? Um, well, that's a, it's so I mean, hard I mean, he's because... Su-
0: he's such an easy target and a scapegoat because of his body language and the way he plays. You know, this is his first ever game as Arsenal captain as well, which I like. So it's his first game as captain and he chooses to play a game like that. Now, I, I, I give the man some credit for that, I think. Um, but because he makes it look so easy, I think a lot of it is that when it doesn't work, it looks really bad. But I I think that largely I wouldn't put the the blame on him. I, I just think he's one of those players and you essentially forget about the things he can't do, just set the team up to you know, to get the best out of him and I think you'll win more games than you lose.
1: But that's the a team with Arsenal's aspirations cannot build a build their side around a player who you'll win more than you can lose. And I think I think you hit the nail on the head, which is what makes him look so good when he's good is his laziness. You know, it's almost like when you watch um Berbatov, Berbatov, yeah. where where they look so lethargic and what they do is so pinpoint perfect. But then when it doesn't work, you're like, well, we'll put some fucking effort into it. And, and and he he divides opinion because of that. So when he has the same level of bad game that Arthur oh, lesser, someone like James Madison was having, you're not gonna look at James Madison and go, Well, you're not trying, you're not even trying, James. But you're going to look at Ozil and go, oh, he's not even running for that. He's not even, or oh, that kind of pass. It's not time, no time for a Hollywood pass when you're chasing the game. But you, you give that to Ozil all the time. And I, yeah, maybe we don't appreciate what we've got until it's gone. Maybe there'll be a point where Ozil goes, I'm fed up of all of this. it will bugger off and we'll go, well, actually, that kid was class.
0: Yeah, and I, look at, I mean, Mourinho found a place for him, well, till he left. But he, he played him at Madrid. And Mourinho's like the ultimate pragmatist. And I kind of feel like if he found a role for Ozil in his team, then, you know, that says a lot about Ozil. Um, that he's crap at defending. Well, <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, but Mourinho played him. So I think if, you know, if Jose Mourinho plays a player like that, then... Mm. then you know, it suggests that he thinks he's good enough, even though he doesn't do the bits of the game that Marina really wants you to do, which is the defensive parts. Like we've seen what he's done with Rashford and Alexis Sanchez and Martial, etc. But, um, but yeah, no, I think it's just I agree with it. One, we've just got to enjoy it, and he's here. And I mean, I, I talked about last week; it's a two-horse race. Mm. Uh, if you look at the table at the moment. Um, Arsenal's win puts them up into fourth. The table at the moment looks remarkably like somebody's pre-season predictions. <laughs> but are they are they a legitimate challenger for top 4 or the title? What do you where do you see Arsenal?
1: It's it's hard to include the title in any of these conversations. So I'd like to kind of exclude that because what Man City are doing is in, inhuman. So I I don't think they're going to win the league. I think they have every chance to get top 4 the the two teams which i think have gone under the radar I say gone under the radar everyone's banging on about liverpool and and rightly so but they're not playing very well but they're still winning games of football you can say the game say the same about spurs spurs are poor this year but they're winning so yeah. for liverpool to be on you know joint top 23 points spurs to have their record best ever start to a premier league is it really yeah and they're playing poorly and they've got a lot of injuries and yet that's already what they're achieving and they've come second before
0: Yeah, and and traditionally they finish the season well as well I spoke to a Liverpool fan uh, yesterday and um, we're talking about Liverpool going well and I was sort of saying how it's un-Liverpool that they're um, winning games ugly and you know being effective Uh, so that's a good thing and you know when they get it together they're going to be right up there and I mean he sort of, he turned around and looked at it a different way and said but you know we're sort of nearly 10 games into the season and they haven't looked very good yet at what point do you start getting worried about you know play, not playing very well and I guess that point probably only comes when you stop winning games
1: that's exactly right you um, can not play well and win the league as long as you keep winning True. Really I mean,
0: you'd argue that some of the later United teams under Ferguson weren't that great but he just found a way to win games
1: Ferguson's most his last United team that won the league the year he retired was a crap team Dog shit. that yeah. didn't play very well yeah. and yet still they won the league but that's how they set themselves 10 up 10
0: games over Christmas 1-0 like it's... And, that,
1: and that's what you do but Liverpool have only conceded 3 goals this season so another scratchy win for Liverpool yeah now football is a balance right and and here's the thing: so Liverpool have the best defence in the league. They've conceded three goals in nine games. That's there's no way you could have said that and kept a straight face at this point last year nice. when they were starting Dijon mustard and and he was bad and it it was bad. The thing is, they were going to score more than you. It was exciting to watch. So it's better as a spectacle than it is now. But football's a balance. Like you, you have to. Decide whether you're going to set your team up to have a good defence or a good attack. You've only got 11 players each. So you can either put them all up front or you can put them all at the back or you can work out how you're going to balance that amongst the players that you've got. Now Liverpool obviously realised that they needed to balance that. They needed to weight that on the (laughs) other end than they had so focused last year because if you have an attack like they had last year but yet still you don't win the league then you've got problems. You need to reshift your thinking. So what they did was they... They recruited very well at the back. They've got very organised at the back, and they're prioritising that.
0: And they've got a good goalkeeper.
1: Great goalkeeper, and that's made all the difference. How many clean sheets they got this year? Loads, six, I think. Um, so it it makes me feel like now they've got that bit right. You know, in in almost a typical British fashion, get your defence right and then build on from that. Now they already know what to do up front. They just need to learn how to now release the players to do it when set up in a way that will stop them conceding goals. So when we both just said Liverpool haven't been playing very well and your Liverpool mates said they haven't been playing very well, they have been playing very well but they, their highlights reel isn't quite as impressive.
0: Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with that. I, um, the, I, don't, I did, don't really want to talk about Liverpool. We've given them lots of coverage but while we're on... I just thought of it when you are talking about Arsenal with defensive... Uh, in, improvements defensively uh, but also substitutions changing a game or changing in the second half. Mm. Um, I, I was watching the match of the day highlights of the Everton game. Wow, um, yeah. We know that um, I can't believe I'm giving you a chance to talk about Everton, but uh, um, Marco Silva's record in management is generally I think it's I think it's like 2.2 goals a game that he concedes. Now, we rate Marco Silva on the shed. John uh, more than rates him, he, yeah. he loves the man <laughs> with a passion but uh, I think we'd all say he's a good coach and there aren't many, I don't think there's many coaches that you say they're a good coach and they can see two goals a game but then I feel like in the last few weeks Everton seemed to have tightened up a little bit mm. but I think the big thing in this game was the, the changes uh, I think it was all three of your substitutions were involved in in the two goals yeah exactly right uh, Lookman's I particularly wanted to Lukman's cross because I thought that, that was brilliant it was one of the best um, crosses I've seen this year I think like the ball was stuck in his feet um, wrong foot as wrong well. foot and he sort of found a way to, to dig it out um, and it was just perfect onto Calvert-Lewin's head like I I mean I, I really want to see more of Lukman. I wish that he was getting a, a, a regular start Um you know, you want to see the young English players playing. But yeah, I thought um, he sort of helped change the game a bit when he came on.
1: Yeah, when we talk about... Um, firstly, I agree. I think the three substitutions, can't, as a coach, it can't go better than that, can it? So for those who didn't watch the game or don't know the stats, when the three guys that came on were Jenk Tossen, Adamola ola and Calvert-Lewin, and they got an assist, a goal and a goal to win 2-0 that's 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 great yeah. um, but when you talk about the balance right so the last 15 minutes of that game of football Everton were playing 4-2-4 four, four formation yeah now just like comprehend that for. so a they bit. went for it so they went for it they were 0-0 nil, nil, and they went for it they didn't Sam Allardyce. it they didn't respect the point they all respect the point they did the opposite they went fuck you we're better than you and we got 10 minutes to prove it so they went 4 up front and they scored two goals in three minutes. I think that is such, uh, we talk about the arrogance of Oswald. I think that's such kind of arrogance of the coach to go, actually, I believe in this. I'm going to change this. I'm going to do it right now. And if we lose trying, I'd rather do that than, than limp to another day. And it feels like that's the way he coaches. The problem is that when you talk about his history, is it's going to take a few years for those stats to, to dissipate. Because he spent a couple of years in the Premier League at very, very poor clubs. One of them got relegated, the other one he got the sack from. Um, and I think those records, True. Yeah. They're, they're going to follow him until he has a consistent run of good record, you know, good results at a good club or at a club that backs him in the right kind of way to really kind of balance that out. So I think we, we can pull those stats out for the next year or so without it changing and be equally surprised about it. One of the players I'd like to highlight from this is Gomez. You see Andre Gomes in the midfield? Yeah. He started. So this is his first start of the first year. Game, first no, game. First appearance. Okay. So he's been injured. Um, he's been injured. He got injured in pre-season for Barcelona. and He's been coming back from fitness. Now, I read an interview with Gomes this week. And he was talking about his time at Barcelona. So he signed from, signed from Valencia. For those who don't know him, he's a Portuguese guy. Signed from Valencia to Barcelona for 30 million euros. Or 30 million pounds. Um, was deemed Barcelona quality, next big thing had an indifferent start. First game was excellent, had an indifferent start, then slowly became a bit of a scapegoat. Um, had a couple of, couple of shonky performances. Then, in his personal life, he was getting harassed in the streets. He was getting abuse. His family were getting abuse. So he'd moved to this new city. And he's only hes only—he's young he in abuse? like 23 or something because of his performances for Barca. So he'd gone from a team right. that he was the main man. Everyone was happy. He'd gone to Barca. He'd started off well, high hopes. It had gone poorly. And because of that, his own personal life, he was really struggling with it. And he was mentioning having depression. He was mentioning fearing his family. He was mentioning becoming isolated, not talking to anyone. So his move away from Barcelona was as much a move away from the football club as an escape from a a world in which he was less happy. Now, he knew Silva. So he knows Marco Silva. They're both Portuguese and they knew each other when Marco Silva was at Valencia. So one of the reasons why he came to Everton on loan was to go to this kind of father figure who he had a relationship at his previous club when he was still happy now take all of that to one side he is a really good footballer He well, remi- I mean if Barcelona sign him for 30 million then he's clearly got
0: some ability
1: he's so. he's so silky and he's just coming back into fitness so it wasn't it's, we're not going to go oh my god look at that guy his debut he set the world alight but he's so silky he reminds me of a of a young younger Mikel Arteta like he's that kind you of player love, love uh, uh, I love the young Mikel <laughs> Arteta so I mean as far as that goes the the only way is up for the Everton team three wins in a row it's a, it's a good thing and I think that if your midfield contains a player like that with the front four we've already discussed in previous sheds I think it's an exciting time for those fans and up, up to eighth so you're
0: nearly in your cherished seventh spot <laughs> <laughs> above Man United. Right true the only you know, you're only a couple of wins off off the top 4 which i think given how good the top 5 have been this year isn't isn't too bad and i think i mean everton are about where we thought they'd be but yeah i agree i think um, they look like they're getting some consistency and finally uh, and i mean uh, having that quality to come off the bench uh, like I'm still not completely convinced by Tossen, but it was a good finish. Like he looked quite, quite quick for his. Yeah. I, I, I was actually I was quite surprised with his um with his turn of, turn of pace to get on the end
1: of that. I mean, if we're going to start having aspirations as a football club, I think Everton need a better striker than Jake Tossen.
0: Well, but I I'd, I'd argue that you've now got one
1: in Richarlison. In Richarlison. Yeah, I I, yeah. I agree, but I just think that um that's not and he's not enough. And Calvert Lewin. Is is a hundred percent effort, and it kind of masks the lack of naturally natural footballing ability. Is he your new to Be well, no, no, because he's got more. <laughs> um, he's got he's more skillful than that. He's just he's the opposite to Gomez. Do you know what I mean, it's like yeah. Gomez was a bit slow but super silky. Calvin Lewin's a bloody athlete, but he's a bit of a spade. Yeah, I'm just I'm not completely convinced by him. Like, he's the new James he's... Vaughan. If you remember James Vaughan, he's the new James Vaughan. Ah, but he's
0: better than James Vaughan. Isn't he? James Vaughan never even oh, played. I hope so. Disappeared
1: into obscurity. Um,
0: we should talk about... Now, I want to talk about Chelsea and Man United. And I mainly want to talk about it because we watched the game, mm-hmm. which I really enjoyed. Um, I don't know whether it was having watched the A-League beforehand that made <laughs> it particularly enjoyable, but I really enjoyed the game. Uh and so I want to talk about the game. I don't want to talk about the histrionics of Mourinho and all you know, all the aftermath, but I have a little bit of sympathy with the man this week. Go That's on. all I want to say. Well, just I think that if you've just conceded a um you know, you're about and you're playing against your old club who you had a lot of success with, you left a little bit acrimoniously, um there's a lot of pressure on you, there's a lot of pressure on your team. You're a minute away from getting a pretty significant win and then you can see the very late equaliser and then some some knob uh runs <laughs> over to your technical area and basically starts, you know, waggling his cock in your face, you you're gonna get a little bit angry. No um, fucking
1: no sympathy at all, I feel like
0: so he just should have sat there and taken it. Like you wouldn't get angry in that. Like because you're going to be in in the moment, and then that happens. I think your natural reaction might be uh, anger.
1: No, no nonsense. He he's too experienced a bloke to let natural reaction everything is, is so you think he
0: was even in control at that moment 100%. and he thought about how he was he's, reacting.
1: he's trying to prove that he cares like it's all bullshit he is too too state too emotionally manipulative to, yeah, to okay. naturally react like that well, i don't know if i agree in that instance but i and um, fuck him he does that to everyone else like i don't care he like fuck him. John's not here, so I can. I'm gonna take John's medal <laughs> okay. and do a big fuck off, Jose Mourinho. Right? He is conceding goals for fun. So, yeah, I mean, so- I,
0: I like. Let's talk. If we talk about the game, I agree with you because I think the first half, Chelsea absolutely slaughtered. Man, Man United looked awful, didn't they? Like Ch- Chelsea looked great. They did what we knew they'd do. They passed the ball really well. Tick, ticked it over. Hazard looked dangerous when he wasn't being kicked. But they, you know, Chelsea did what they do. Um, you know, they scored from a, from a corner. But I just thought Man United offered nothing. Like, I remember watching Lukaku at the World Cup. Looked a real threat. You know, did his usual... Martinez did his thing and put him out in the left wing. Uh, <laughs> and and Lukaku... But he looked great, you know. He looked like yeah. one of the best strikers in the world. At the moment he looks like a lump who effectively like a totem pole he just stands there and like I don't know whether and to me he must be being told we to hold the shape of the team we need you to you know be a lump be a lump and stand up there, but I'm like what a waste what a, how much do they pay for it uh
1: ninety million pounds like
0: give, <laughs> you know give him a chance like I just I don't know. I mean, it's funny. In the end, I thought it was going to be like classic Mourinho, mm. where his team play badly and he sets them up really defensively. But then two, it. two moments of real quality. Um, but I thought both finishes by Martial were brilliant. Yeah, Nick, nicks a win. Um, and then it's like, you know, class, everyone's like, classic Mourinho. And so I quite liked that there was a sting in the tail because I just yeah the way he set up was just so negative I
1: agree it's a disgrace uh, and, but what I want to look at I said at the beginning I said he's conceding goals for fun so Manchester United are on a minus one goal difference after nine games wow that
0: when is the last time that Man United would have been on minus goal difference ten games I, and i
1: tell you a stat he's conceded as many goals in the first nine games as he did in his last season at Chelsea wow that's outrageous. Yeah, it's... So, I've got a question for you. Is that because his defenders are shit? Or is that because the last three months he's been telling everyone that his defenders are shit?
0: That would have to play on your mind, I think. Like, if you're Lindelof or Smalling or Jones, like, and you, basically your manager's come out and said that none of you are good enough and... He should be able to sign defenders. For months. For months he's been saying that. It's and been in your the, ear. he's trying to play midfielders that can't defend. 20-year-old midfielders as, as like McTominay.
1: Yeah. He's literally saying to you, you're not good enough for my team. I've I've told everyone you're not good enough for my team. Then when I didn't get to kick you out and replace you... I've told everyone that not to expect good things for this year because you're still in my team and I didn't get anyone better. And now I'm saying, that now I've got you, I'm going to put you on the bench and put a 20-year-old midfielder in your position because you're just not good enough for my team. And then we're surprised that they're conceding goals.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, I, I definitely think there's something in that. I think that it, what one of the things he's really lost as a manager is when he was good, he still did all these, you know tricks with the the press and he you know ranted and he raved and it was all about him but he did it in such a way he took the pressure off the players and he felt like the players you know trusted him and that they you know they'd go into battle for him and he, he, had, and yeah. he had their back and that was one of the great things he did because he took all the pressure off the players by doing that whereas now he's gone He's sort of taken it so far and he's so bitter that he just seems to be blaming the players. And it ends up in this environment where I don't think any... I just get the impression none of them want to play for him.
1: Yeah, he's just a dickhead. And, and uh, it, it's a few little things that, that no matter how you sheen over it, they're, they're character traits of human beings that you will have met that are dickheads. Right, so it's never... um you know, The whole hoo-ha at the end where he's holding three fingers up and going, I won three trophies here, I won... It's not we won three trophies. It's not we as a team, as Chelsea. It's not Chelsea won three trophies when I was here and we were all part of it and isn't that amazing. It's the opposite. It's I won three Premier me. Leagues.
0: Yeah,
1: That's it. That's all he cares. He When he came to um, Chelsea, the first year, the first bloody meeting he had in the dressing room, he says, I am a European champion. If you want to be European champions, do it my way. He didn't say, my team just won the Champions League This is and this is how we did it. He went I am a champion do it my way be a champion. And and I'm sorry. Fuck off. Maybe you're a cock. But maybe
0: well he is. But maybe to be a like a serial winner like he has been you, you I'd argue that you almost need a bit of that. But I think it's he's gone it's gone too far. I just think that he's his character is so extreme that I think his longevity of a manager is probably 20 years less. Than normal, like because he's better than, than, than other managers, uh, yeah. and so I feel like he's he's almost gone. Like I just I I don't I don't know if there's any comeback. John's very much you know Mourinho out, and you look at like you look at Martial, and I thought both his goals were brilliant. Um, everyone's been talking about his second finish where he gets it out of his feet and then bangs it in the bottom corner. Yeah, but his first goal was brilliant as well because he 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 takes the ball on the volley and. I mean, he's sort of on the penalty spot, but he's he's you know taken a touch, swiveled, and then volleyed it into the the bottom corner, and that's very difficult to do. And I kind of feel like he could be anything as a player. Like mm. He you know he he really could be, as could Rashford. And you know, if if I was a Man United fan, I would just want to see them play football because it could be, you know, I I don't know what rabbit hole I disappeared down. I think it's because um, Juventus were playing. Man United but I was looking at old Ronaldo United <laughs> videos. Yeah. No, I don't really like either of those. I don't really like Ronaldo, I don't really like Man United, but I was watch- just watching some old, you know, clips. Yeah. And, you know, Ronaldo's debut when he was at United was when he was eighteen or something and he came on against Fulham and one nil up and then he terrorised them and they did won- about nine stepovers in a row. Overs, remember, yeah. but they won one four nil. Um at Fulham? I can't, Anyway, but I just you know you, you're watching these under Ferguson, these young players being able to express themselves, and I think United have got some really good attacking players, but they just don't get a chance to to go to go and do it.
1: Well, I'll say I'll say two things here because I don't want to bang on about United for too long. But um, firstly, when you when there is this this feeling that. Um, we talk about those Alex Ferguson... <laughs> no, I'll talk about that first. The, the Alex Ferguson team's just attacked. Attacked, attack, attack. Isn't it amazing to watch? I listened to an interview with Wayne Rooney recently. Yeah, we, st- we talked yeah. about it briefly last week. Where um, where he he said that we didn't attack. We were told not to attack. We were told to counter-attack. And we were, t- we were given freedom when we were counter-attacked. And we counter-attacked with pace and skill... And licensed to do what we wanted. But we, we waited for a break and waited for space and moved into it. And that was the way he set us up to play. So we kind of do look back a bit rose-tinted that they just attacked. Even their fans do. Um, but but going back to the team itself right now. They have a really, really, really good team. When you read through their players and you know who they are. And you've seen them play football. Their team is excellent. That And that to me is baffling. So, so when you say he needs to go or, or, or when we have these conversations that team can almost go unmanaged it can, it can be down at half time and then they don't even need a team talk really they can just decide okay we'll, we'll try a bit here because we're actually brilliant at football we're going to ignore you a little bit and they can do something because they're just that good well that's, that's,
0: I was listening to a bit on this in the week and as a few people have come out and said that, that you know is it You know, they came back and won against Newcastle, being 2 0 down. Mm. Um, And, you know, it looked like they were going to do the same with Chelsea. And there was talk of is it Mourinho tactically changing things, or is it just the players taking it on themselves and not necessarily listening to Mourinho and wanting to do it for themselves as players, you know, to go out and and try and win the game? And I think maybe it is a bit of that
1: because it's. It's it's got to be uh, they're too good not to they've got personal pride they're, they're too good to just like hang up their boots and I heard a rumor this week that Mourinho was being touted for the Real Madrid job
0: yeah that was bizarre he got asked at a press conference um, and he he got a bit annoyed about it but I that would be an odd move by Madrid wouldn't it like they
1: lost five games in a row it's a record for modern times well, they, I they won in
0: the Champions League this morning but very very scratchy yeah and. I mean, the other thing, uh, Lopatengi doesn't have a very good record at club level. Um, So it was perhaps a little bit of a... He looked like he was going to be very good with Spain until, you know, what happened happened. But uh, you wonder whether it was a bit of an odd, um, you you know, sort of an odd appointment in the first place for Madrid. But I... uh, I was reading something in the week, and they said that during the game at the weekend, when they lost again, they went. Um, uh, they did score, which was so they broke their longest ever um, drought with not scoring. But the who's the president Perez? Yeah, yeah. Um, so the they're playing Alaves. Alaves just scored their second goal, and someone's got some footage of like as the goal goes in, um, somebody passes Perez a phone. And he, like, you know, starts talking on the phone and like, there's lots of memes that have come up, like, you know, he's someone, you know, bring me the head of Lord like, <laughs> This has gone on long enough. But yeah, well, I mean, I don't see Mourinho going there. Like, do you think there's anything in that? Like oh, that?
1: I don't know. I just think that it's... Um, these things start to happen, don't they? And I think as soon as Mourinho sees a, a, a fire escape... He usually takes it. Yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I don't think there's been an obvious fire escape until now. Before we move off Real Madrid, I know we're not really talking about Real Madrid. You see, what's his name? Vinicius Junior? How do you say his first name? Yeah. Is it Vinicius? Vin- uh, yeah. Vinicius it. Junior? Yeah. So at the weekend, he scored an unreal free kick. Yeah. Did you see? Uh, not as good as Reini so But apparently. scored an amazing free kick, then got sent off then points to his badge as he walks off and he's now got a ban so he's banned for the Clasico. Oh, wow. <laughs> what a day. But, he, it wasn't, was
0: it for the first team to no, scored it's, the goal? No, it was reserves but he still, yeah. still got a ban. Ah, uh,
1: okay. His ban's a ban. Um, but no, it wasn't because Rooney's free kick. Rooney's free kick was outrageous yeah. for DC United.
0: I watched that a lot. It was like, oh, how good is, like, he's really still really good at football. Like, now people are saying I'd loved it this week because he scored another two goals. Uh, you know is Rooney coming back to the Premier League did we like you know did we get him to pack his bags too early but he's uh, I don't necessarily think there's anything in that I think it was a good time for him Perfect to go while well, yeah. he's still He still got it but I mean, he's single-handedly dragged his team into the playoffs. They were bottom of
1: the league when he got there, <laughs> and now they're in the playoffs. And they look good. It's not just him that looks good. That The assist for his first goal was, oh, what's the, what's yeah, the name the, of that uh, bloke? I just know he's number 11. Yeah. wow, that number 11 looks good. Outrageous. Yeah, yeah, took on three guys, cut inside, squared it to him and Rooney with a bit of a Ronaldo finish. Yeah. Outrageous. Yeah. When I say Ronaldo finish, I mean, he was just standing there in the right spot to just put his foot through it and claim it. Um, or Raheem. Did you see, um, again, we're just going to move around all over the place this, this, this well, week. Well, should odd. we, um,
0: just should, while we're on United, yeah. uh, Ronaldo went back there this morning with the yeah uh, a bit of a non again like that. I mean, when I was talking about Lukaku, I was also thinking about that this morning. So I watched the highlights, and uh, again, you know, just non-existent. Like United just didn't didn't offer a threat. There was one moment where Pogba brilliant turn, um, you know, hit hit the post. Uh, it was quite unlucky. But other than that, they didn't offer anything. Mm. And Juventus, who I think are a fairly limited Juventus side, even though they've got Ronaldo and Diablo oh, Maybe limited is not. I I actually think they're a decent shout to win the Champions League this year because of the other big teams being in a bit of flux. You know, mm. by Bayern, Barcelona, um, and Madrid. So I, I'd I think maybe this might be a year when it'll Man City, PSG, or um, or Juventus might might win it. It's so, hard
1: oh, because They've got two forty-five-year-old centre-backs. Yeah, true, and, and that does make it hard. All, all but...
0: three—they um, brought on Barzagli as a sub this morning, <laughs> so all three of them were playing. Like average age, must, well, the age, combined age must be close to a hundred. Yeah, them, unreal for the three. Um, of them. But yeah, I just I you know again like I remember, unfortunately, I remember United in the Champions League because United were good for large parts mm. of my childhood. But I even got excited for those for those big European games, even though it's Man United, I got really excited because you felt like they were a big team and it was a big game and it was going to be... And they had a chance. Football, they yeah. had a chance. Whereas, like, if you were a Man United fan now, watching that, and you're at home to Juventus, it was just so nondescript. Like, United's best player was probably De Gea, who made two or three brilliant saves.
1: So I watched the whole game um, oh, yeah? today. And... Uh... I would say that the most exciting thing I saw was Ashley Young tackle, <laughs> <laughs> and and let that sink in. That the most the thing that got me out of my chair most was watching him slide in and go, "Yeah, take that." That was it. That that was from a United perspective, but the, the, the best thing you could get you get behind was that was it was an aggressive 75-year-old right-back. <laughs> and, and and everything else was really, really poor. The, um, as you say, it's a limited Juventus side, but the way they're structured, they overlap mm. a lot. They, they're they not afraid to go back to where they came from. So if they, if they get a ball on the wing, they're not afraid to go back to the player that passed it to them. They don't just try and move forward relentlessly, which means it's, it's composed. And they were finding pockets of space all over the
0: park. The Uruguayan was good, but apparently... Uh, which um, one? What's his
1: name? Ben Bentacor. Yes, yeah, he was yeah. good. I'll tell you who surprised me as well. Quadrado. I think ah, the
0: Chelsea. The Ge- yeah, I actually yeah. think he's pretty good. Yeah.
1: He looks stoned. <laughs> like he does. He he just looks. He looks like. Do you remember? Um, he's a bit flaky. Uh, but... Keenan and Kel. Do you ever watch Keenan and Kel on Nickelodeon when you were a kid? He looks like one of them, Kel or Keenan, <laughs> okay. like the one who looked stoned or got stoned. Drank orange soda. That bloke. They, they, um, so I, uh, yeah, it's hard to look past sometimes. Um, but he played really, really well. Yeah.
0: So I, I mean, I and Diabla's been going well as well. Sorry, one but minute.
1: Is it Diabola? Diabla. That's what they were saying on the thing on the on the commentary. What? I thought it was Diab Diabla. Diabla. Diabola. Diabla. Diabla. I think I think everyone's wrong. Let's ask him. Call okay. him. <laughs>
0: Call in, if call him up. Yeah. Yeah. Um we, sorry, I cut you off as well. What were you gonna uh, before, jump onto next?
1: Yeah, I just wanted to um give Zlatan a bit of a shout out whilst we were on the MLS. We moved on, but I think it's it's too he's done too well to brush over it completely. So far this season, he's played twenty-six games for, for Galaxy, he scored twenty-two goals. Wow. And got six assists.
0: Yeah, that's pretty good, and they so they're in with a the shout. They, would they be one of the favorites? Yeah,
1: East Coast, uh, East Conference playoffs. It's, it's going to be an exciting. The last game of the season was this week, so now it's just playoffs to look forward to in the MLS. So it's, it's going to be quite exciting, I think. Um, it, it's,
0: um, yeah, I look at the MLS, and I know the population of America significantly dwarfs that of Australia and the league's been around for longer and there's so much more money and what have you but I I still can't help but look at the MLS and think that the A-League should look at that and go that's something we should aspire to like it's not realistic to look at the Premier League or the established leagues in Europe but I'm like if we look at what's happening in America in terms of you know they've also got infrastructure things going on quite well over there and kids being involved in the game as Australia's doing but I like, the standard of the MLS and support is is great. And, yeah, like, I, maybe because Rooney going over, but I almost feel a little bit engaged with the mm-hmm. MLS this year. Um, and I just, yeah, I, I think that's something for the A-League to, to look at. But, you know, we look at those players that are there. Um, we went to the A-League on Saturday. Uh, um no, not Honda. I was going to say Mootoo, but Newcastle, uh, <laughs> Honda. Uh, marquee signing for early this year. I thought he looked good, mm. and there was lots of rave reviews about him in the week, but I also thought he looked half fit at best. Like, he barely got above a jog, Yeah, but clearly looked, you know... The best a, on the park. A, a yeah. class above. Um, but I... Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's a good crowd. I, I enjoy it. It was nice to go to a game. Obviously, we struggle with that over here. Um, a, a little bit with getting up in the wee hours for the for the Premier League games. And it's nice to actually go to a game, um, and there was a decent atmosphere. There was some moments of quality. The uh, Melbourne City's um, second goal was a, was a really good pass and, and good finish. Um, and. Other than that it was it was a bit of a stalemate the game I don't know I thought city neutral, maybe you'd say city neutralized the game quite well mm. but I, it didn't completely grab me what do you, you think your, you know, well, there's hype, hype
1: for the first game a couple of things happened in the week before the game that um that I was unawares on the night so there was an injury to to a key Melbourne city player um, and there was a sickness to uh, the left back. Now it would be oh, replaced. We were... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now one of the worst players on the park was a guy called Delbridge, who was probably the worst <laughs> left back performance I've seen without being sent off, killing a man, or or scoring an own goal in a very long time. Was, well, he
0: just didn't want to go forwards. He was but...
1: just horrible, and yeah. it was horrible to watch. But if you remember the last week we talked about the A League, and I said it's a very strategic league, yeah. so there's 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 tactical choices made. That, so neutralising a team is a, is a tactical choice, and you can see that. Um, it was someone we went to watch the game with. Roger, was talking about the one-touch, two-touch rule. So in the Premier League, if it take one touch, in the A League, it will take two. Yeah. What it means is you can you can strategize for that. You know, you can make tactical choices off the back of knowing you have the time to execute it. And and I did see some of that, so I, I did enjoy that. I do think moments of quality were few and far between. What, back to your original um, comment, I do think the the. The MLS is something to aspire to. They have the same geographical hurdles that we do here in Australia. So yeah. cities are far away. The biggest hurdle that we have that they don't is population. You know, the, there are major hubs here in Australia, and that's not the case in the United States. There are hubs all over the place. Every state has a has a major hub, um, and there are fifty of them, and not seven. So it's there are things to struggle, but still, I think that that league has matured so well. I'm impressed by the standard of football, constantly impressed by the standard of football. and the crowds they get to get 60, 70,000 in Atlanta, it's absolutely brilliant. So I think that you can bring football to a country that is already beholden to other sports and it, it's not destined for failure. And one thing that the two countries do have in common is is in the United States, they've got basketball, they've got baseball, they've got NFL. Yeah and they're the thing they are the dominant sports. Here there is AFL and there is cricket and they are the dominant sports. Well, rugby as well but rugby's on the way out I reckon well the it depends where you go are... if
0: you go to the north of you know northeast coast rugby's the biggest sport yeah so
1: but they're the same challenges you know you're, you're bringing football as a non-native sport to a country that already has its its pre-existing DNA yeah. so what you what they've done right is they've, they've got the kids in and they've done it 20 years ago Yeah. so what we're doing here rightly is investing in that youth youth football
0: yeah so maybe it's just time Um, whilst we're talking about the game can we quickly talk about the
1: AR go on
0: I know you love the AR
1: I'm a big fan Uh, big fan
0: I I'm not we know that I got really annoyed about this talk us through the incident not necessarily because of VAR but perhaps the way it was applied so, go on. What so the incident that, that I'm referring to um, for, for those of you that haven't seen it is uh, <clears throat> Melbourne City were attacking um, and uh, Fornaroli who's a bit of a scrapper at the best of times was um, was going on a run um, on the edge of the area takes a tumble the referee uh, gives a free kick on the edge of the area right on the edge uh, then plays held up for a while while there's a bit of argy-bargy and then we get the VAR signal that comes up on the screen in the ground the ref runs over and looks at it on the screen and he watches the replay back so he's been provided with all the those tools necessary to, to make, a, <laughs> make a decision and then he gives a penalty now The issue that I have with this, and perhaps where you and me disagree, is that the incident did take place inside the box, so if it was a foul, it should have been a penalty. The issue I have is that when you watch the replay of it, even when you see it in real time, but particularly when you see a replay, there is absolutely no way in the world it's a foul, and... Fornaroli largely just throws himself to the ground. But the referee, apparently, and this is what this is the bit that annoys me. So the referee gives a penalty. Uh, Melbourne City missed the penalty, but still score a goal. Score the rebound. Uh, and there's a lot of controversy about it. But after the game, the A-League came out and they said that um, VAR's great. Um, we think VAR did its job. In this instance we think the referee made the wrong decision and he could have changed his mind on the decision and it would have been a drop ball. So that so he could have not he could okay. have not given a penalty and it would have been a drop ball. Now I think that the A League has completely thrown the referee under the bus because one of the issues I have with the I and we talked about it at the World Cup was the referees feeling this additional pressure. Of you know, they've made an original decision. They're then watching it on a small screen while 40,000 people he he's going to be very aware of are watching and all the, you know, countless people on, on television. And he's still, he's then got to make a decision. Now, I think that puts so much pressure on the referee. And I think that if VAR is to be effective, there should be opportunity there for somebody else to make an objective decision if the right decision's not being made or to uh, to perhaps overrule
1: the referee and I I just disagree, disagree I hear your point but I disagree I disagree. But, I but feel then we're, like
0: we're not. We've got VAR, but we're in a situation where the wrong decisions still being made because
1: we, no matter what tools we provide a referee, we go on the referee's judgment call. Well, then, and, but and, then don't have VAR. That this is my no, no, biggest no, no, no. issue. We,
0: if, if we want to, I completely agree with you. I completely, completely agree that we should just go on a referee's call. But if we're going to do that, scrap VAR completely because let's just go on our lines but no the, the problem
1: here was not VAR the problem was the referee the referee made an incorrect call and a foul and the referee when seeing his own replay when seeing the replay of foul, still considered it a foul that's not VAR's fault in fact we as football you and I football the universal football has given that bloke every tool he possibly needs to make the right call rightly so in my opinion he should have those tools to use the fact that he still made the wrong call That's his fault. And should, no, so should, should it, it should, he should be going through a bloody new training module. (laughs) Like, that's the thing. That's, that's, that's someone not performing well at their job. That's not the fact that we've given, like, we've given you. You sound like the A League. Well, it's, I mean, they're right. It's like I've given you a car with an airbag, which means you're not going to die and you still crash it. It's not the airbag's fault. We're not going to get rid of the airbag because you're a shit driver. We're going to go. We're gonna keep on building these tools up to, to make sure that we're mitigating the risk of all of these things. But if you're a crap driver, Roger, you're still gonna crash and die. What we need to do is train you to be a better driver at the same time as giving you new tools. Now, we need to make sure that him he as a referee is, is two things. Number one, confident in that situation emotionally. That means he can overturn his own decision without letting the crowd get to him. Number two, makes the right decision in the first place because he's a more astute referee. They're the things that we need to concentrate on now that we have these tools that they can use. I
0: I would also argue, I think in a lot of instances, the thought process of making a decision is helped if you can discuss it with somebody who's also a knowledgeable person. But sometimes we all do it in our day-to-day, whether it's in our job or just trying to make a decision on what pants to wear like sometimes it's useful to be able to bounce a decision do you, off somebody. do
1: you bounce what pants you're going to wear off someone
0: no i was just using it as an example
1: but the if you wore if shit you, pants would it be the pants fault
0: no but just hear me out in, in rugby <laughs> rugby union yeah they've been using effectively a var system for a long time and it works very well there's no arguments with it you know i would i would say that 9 times out of 10 at least the right decision is made now rugby is another sport where there are lots of things happening in permutations it is more in straight lines so it's perhaps easier than, than football but when the referee makes a decision and he wants to see it with the the you know video referee what you can hear it as a fan But the other thing is that he has a discussion with the fourth referee. So they talk through the decision together and they talk about the decision that they're going to make. And I think that is really good because I think having that let, you know you're going to have a more rational response than if you're effectively just judging your own call. So,
1: so can't he talk to the linesman? Don't they already talk to the linesman? Well, I don't know. I, no, I, so I think we that's need, what I mean. We get to the bottom of this. It's I,
0: the process. Because to me, that when that decision was made at the weekend, and I've gone back and looked at it, it was like the referee was completely on his own, and he's gone over to his screen. You know, the linesman went there with him. It was just him. Mm. He's made, and then he's just stuck to his guns. Right.
1: I, I, I do think that the referee was at fault there, not VAR. And I think that distinction, I'm, I'm keen to to drive home. It's not VAR's fault. In fact, VAR did a good job by saying it was inside the box and you thought it was outside the box. But actually, the referee made two shit calls in a second. Well, What about the got
0: application the... of VAR then? Well, it?
1: the application of the referee. That was the problem. A <laughs> um, couple of other things before we move off last week's Premier League, and I know we were going to be running short time, but did you see that player of the season nomination... Uh, got uh, an assist for Spurs.
0: Assist okay. Spurs okay. <laughs> <laughs> the
1: season nomination Yeah. Like, uh, you know, I think he's he's pushing for player of the year as so okay. Uh
0: I spoke to a Spurs fan who said that they're surprised but he's been playing a little bit better of late and I thought that was a really good cross.
1: It was a good cross. Not I as good as Lutman's. I wouldn't believe it. Yeah. It was like, oh, what? where's this guy coming from? <laughs> What's he doing? <laughs> oh, the injury crisis must he be hit. He only appears in European finals. That's it. He only appears winning, yeah, winning <laughs> yeah. cups. Um, and the last thing I wanted to talk about is the uh, the top assist maker. Assister? Assister, assist, assist. Top person with the most assists this I I year. Feel like we've been here before. It, we have is um, <laughs> for Manchester City, obviously, because they score about seventy-six goals. Benjamin Mendy, the machine. Yeah, six assists. How outrageous is that? Yeah, from and the, he's he's, al-
0: back. he's already missed a few games as well. Uh,
1: they yeah they looked brilliant. I yeah. don't want to talk about it. I'm so sick of it. When I saw how many times in your footballing life can you see a five-nil and not care? Yeah. I, I've do, just never. Do, do you know what? Go on, De
0: Bruyne is back too. Yeah, he came on in <laughs> on on the 60th minute or whatever. Yeah.
1: But when I when I checked the results on Sunday morning, I was like, "Oh, Man City five nil." I didn't. I wasn't even compelled to watch the goals. Obviously, I did eventually, and some of them were great. But <laughs> I wasn't compelled to do so because I'm just like, I know what they're going to do, and I reckon yeah. three out of those five goals, you knew what was going to happen. Like yeah. you knew they we were just going to play it slightly behind, and overlap, and then cut back, and then probably a step over, and it's going to go to almost like. Uh, a really soulless stale version of the Arsenal goal
0: yeah it's I you talk about it every week and you're maybe you're starting to win a so you've definitely got John yeah Uh, I mean yeah they're they're amazing and it's it's functional brilliance (laughs) and maybe there is a bit boring it's so dull we should move on to um, side stories before end feature have you got any side stories this week
1: yes did you see Jamie Vardy disappeared for about five minutes in the second half of the Leicester game? Uh, no, was he injured? He went off injured, didn't he? No, he wasn't injured. He went off to have a shit. <laughs> Did you see? Say, <laughs> so like, had a little word with the coach. Went back on, and then suddenly just sprinted down the tunnel, went for a massive turn, and came back on again in the second <laughs> half. <laughs> How good is that?
0: Well, I suppose you know what can you do if. Um... If the call of nature's nature. Nature calls. And, um, have we got any other? Side <laughs> no, go ones? on. Uh, I did have one. Or I had a couple. Um I wanted to put a shout out to Macclesfield. Mm-hmm. So Macclesfield Town um, went 36 consecutive games without a win, which is wow. Tied for the record. I don't know if it's in the world, but definitely in English footballing history. Um, but then last weekend they beat Carlisle 2-1 so they didn't get the record on their own
1: I bet they're kind of disappointed by that wouldn't you be kind of disappointed? well
0: I don't know my favourite bit is they then had a game last night against Northampton, they lost 5-0. So it's like like, uh, they got up for that one game and then uh, we're we're back again.
1: But they're going to like, right lads, another 37 to go and we'll get that record.
0: (laughs) But the other one that I briefly wanted to touch on was um, uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, uh, a manager had a cabbage thrown at his head. Who was that? Who got... uh, Oh, Steve Bruce. Yeah. Steve Bruce got a cabbage (laughs) thrown at his head. And I was reading about what are the weirdest vegetables that have been thrown onto um, a football pitch. Oh, yeah. As you do. As you do. Busy week Um, at work this week, Rog? uh, I think I looked at this last week, actually. But um, uh, the favourite I found was um, FC Twente. Yeah, yeah. Uh, In the Netherlands. In the Netherlands. So they were playing a game last year and their fans threw a bunch of Chilies uh, onto the pitch, um, and then they held up a massive sign that said, uh, "Now shove these up your ass and uh, play better to save us from relegation." Something like that. Like, I don't know how they're related. Did it work? Uh, oh, I don't know. I just saw the story and laughed. So wow. was, yeah,
1: that's really good. Have you um, seen there's a new fine structure for if you're on holiday in, in Amsterdam? If you're just like a a casual punter in Amsterdam there's now a new set of social faux pas
0: I so think. if you smoke too much and you and, know yeah
1: or take mushrooms and, and ponder about and and poo and in the street about. well yeah so it's 350 pounds if you piss in a canal <laughs> this is a fact and it's in pounds so they actually specify pissing in the canal piss in a canal or right. defecate in a canal <laughs> whatever they put it um, 200 well there's quite a difference there uh, yeah yeah um, 250 pounds for um, puking in the street uh, I'm doing this off memory because I read the I read the article today. I'm like, that's absolutely still bad for people um, in Amsterdam. Well, that's the whole point. They're they're saying that um that you know they're, they're a nice, welcoming city, but they don't want and and this is the, the the governor or the mayor or whatever it was the 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 king of Amsterdam, the the political king, <laughs> said that we don't want people like English Bucks parties. Yeah. He, he genuinely used that as the single example he's going to use. Them and the whole of <laughs>
0: uh, Um Shall we move on to end feature?
1: Yeah!
0: Whoa. Now, we should start with talking about last week, but we won't talk about it for very long because we all lost... And it was rubbish. But I do want to talk about the fact that John bet on uh, uh, Muto to <laughs> score. And we said we'd put him on the shed wall if he did. But he missed his chance. Did he have a chance? No. No. Probably not. If he did, he probably
1: missed. Um, um, but yeah, so moving on to this week. Jeff, do you have a bet? So we have done 10 sheds this season. This is shed number 10. Okay. I have won one bet single bet and it was a low paying bet so currently I'm in discussions with my wife as to whether I'm allowed to put any more money on (laughs) (laughs) because I'm not doing very well and I need a win so I am going to put my money on Everton to beat Man United paying five dollars wow sure thing that's a sure (laughs) thing just one
0: leg just one leg (laughs)
1: Uh, I love it that like if all else has failed, just go with your heart. Because I figure if I'm if I'm really in trouble, I can say, but it was Everton, and that'll get that'll buy me another week. Yeah, it'll buy me another week. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm not optimistic. Uh, John
0: has uh, phoned his bet in from the UK. Yeah, um, and he has gone for Fulham v Bournemouth over three and a half goals. So Fulham, I think, are currently. On track to concede a hundred Premier League goals. This, More than that, 114 if they go 114. at this rate. So maybe that's a fairly good bet. Uh, and then he's gone the opposite for Southampton and Newcastle uh, under two and a half goals, which perhaps is also a fairly good bet, and that's paying three sixty-six. So uh, boring, but it could be effective. And though. what have you? What have you done, Rog? Um, well. I was feeling quite clever, but then I also, now I feel like I've overcomplicated it and I'm going to regret it. So I, my overcomplication was adding in Johns, Fulham and Bournemouth, but I haven't been so greedy and have just gone two and a half goals. But that was my sweetener to get better odds. My real bet was uh, Palace against Arsenal. I've bet on Arsenal um, with a second-half handicap of minus one.
1: Interesting.
0: So they just have to... Win 2 0 or more in the second half. Yeah, okay. Um, and that all together is paying uh, $8.20.
1: Number one, I wasn't really listening. Number two, I don't understand. Um,
0: well, Arsenal's awesome second half record this year, we talked about it no, earlier. No, no, in no, this no, no, show no, no, no. Has I understand been that, very good. I
1: don't understand how you put money on that, and perhaps I should be taking lessons from someone else. Um, can I just read it? So I asked John whether. on on our whatsapp group what he wanted to talk about on this week's shed because he wasn't here because he's our man on the ground so I want to read out verbatim John says number one Jose out obviously (laughs) number two Arsenal could be the real deal Spurs are secretly great number three Man City is boring number four Fulham are fucked (laughs) number five South Hampton and Mark Hughes are pointless. I think that's my favourite one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was on the up. Absolutely great. Uh,
0: well, on that insightful note from John, uh, you know, he's using his uh, ability of being able to watch games and read all the press that comes through well there with his points. But, uh, yeah,
1: I'm hoping he's going to come back well informed.
0: And maybe bring us some. Treats. Marks and Spencer red onion chutney. Treats. Uh, feel free to send us an email, anyone, uh, if you want John to bring you some treats back from the UK.
1: Um, no, remember you're meant to be doing the, the John bit. You're meant to be going and listen to us on whatever and do what. Did I do that at the beginning? No, you do it at the end. Again, you go. Thank you. We've been the football sheds. You got to you listen to us on Spotify. And come on, Rod, you're meant to be the presenter. Well, there. Jeff, you've basically just said it all. No, I'm giving you hints. Uh, email us at footballshed podbeam.org spotify that would be
0: footballshedpodcast at gmail we'd love to hear from you Uh, if you've enjoyed it make sure you tune in next week for another romantic date night and don't worry because John will be back soon to save us